Greetings and welcome to EHA Unplugged, the official podcast channel of the European Hematology Association, EHA. This is a special Lighting the Flame edition where we talk to some of our promising and active members in the hematology community. Our guests in this podcast series have volunteered their time to attend and facilitate the Lighting the Flame program where they mentor young trainees and medical students in their field of hematology. In this podcast series, they talk about their experiences in their field and give advice to those who are interested in becoming a hematologist. So sit back and enjoy the podcast. Disclaimer, this interview was recorded outdoors during the Lighting the Flame workshop in Romania in a wonderful location next to the fields and forest. Therefore, you may hear some cricket noises in the background. So, welcome to this session in Lighting the Flame, where we're going to talk about research in hematology, how to find a lab, and also how to implement lab work and techniques in diagnostics. And uh, I'm Kirsten Grønbæk, I am a professor of hematology from Base Hospital in Kofotegen, Denmark, and I'm happy to have some experts with us today. So, I'm Simona, I'm a group leader at the University of Manchester in the UK. And I'm leading the Leukemic Stem Cell Niche um, group there. And I'm Anastasia Conti, and I'm working in the Sarafer Teleton Institute for Gene Therapy in Milan, Italy. And uh, um, I'm working in the unit of senescence in stem cell aging, uh, differentiation, and cancer. So my name is Constanze Göner. I'm a hematologist working at the University Hospital in Ulm, Germany. And I'm also leading the lab for molecular diagnostics there. Thank you very much. So I think, first of all, I would like to hear all of you. So how did you pick your subject, sort of your, how, what, what, what made you choose this as your main interest, maybe? Uh, yes, uh, maybe I can start. Uh, um, yes, I was uh, particularly interested in hematology since my PhD training, actually also during my master's degree courses. Uh, I really loved, because I'm a molecular biologist, uh, to deeply investigate the mechanism underlying uh, hematological diseases. So that's why I decided to uh, continue in my journey on uh, hematology. So is it a special, I mean, what, what, what is your speciality with it? Uh, actually, I had um, a master in molecular biology and then a PhD in hematology. And uh, uh, now I'm uh, um, searching uh, a new potential cure for hematological diseases, in particular AML. Mm -hmm. And uh, in my institute, because uh, this is an institute of uh, gene therapy uh, for hematological malignant and disorders, uh, we are now trying to figure out approaches uh, such as gene editing uh, to correct uh, um, genetic diseases uh, and so to correct hematopoietic stem cells for new therapeutic uh, cures. Very interesting. What about you? So, I think my interest for leukemia started during my PhD. I was working on a typical chronic myeloid leukemia in Milan uh, that didn't have a target that time. We discovered a new mutation that is SARS-PP1 mutation. And then, basically, after my PhD, I decided, okay, I want to work in hematology. Then I changed a bit because I wanted to implement what I knew, and then I challenged myself, changing a bit um, field. So now I'm working on AML, acute myeloid leukemia, looking at the hematopoietic compartment and the niche, so where the hematopoietic stem cells and the leukemic stem cells. So the interaction so between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. basically I used stuff that I learned in my PhD that I was working from a very clinical background, 
I introduced also the molecular, the normal malignant hematophases and the niche and the aging concept, and now I'm kind of doing both of them in my lab. Maybe I can ask both of you that yeah. what's, the, what's the hottest topic then in AML now? <laughs> can you agree on that? Oh, yeah. Biology and understanding. Yeah. I, I think maybe it's really trying, no, because I do that, yeah. but I think. Yeah. It's really something that everyone is getting interested in is the niche, the yeah. microenvironment. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously we know that before we were thinking that the new therapies were just going to target the leukemic stem cells. Now we know that there is much more and the context is very important. So you need to get something that can target also the microenvironment, yeah. trying to, to see how you can destroy the connection between the microenvironment and leukemia, keeping the one between microenvironment and the HSC. And that's, I guess, the future stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also, if I may add, the, the fact that uh, um, generally, um, yeah, we are focused on the, um, the EML cells, but actually not uh, on the molecular biology that, for example, can be triggered by chemotherapy. Chemotherapy is the standard of care for treatment, but now in our lab, we are also focusing on the side effects of chemotherapy, because for example, in a lab in which we study also DNA damage, and chemotherapy can induce DNA damage. Yeah. So now we are trying to exploit also this feature of the therapy, uh, because we know now that these cells are becoming senescent, and so um, we are exploring also the, the response of the um, T-cells, for example, against these uh, senescent cells as an additional uh, target therapy. So not focusing on a specific target, but on a senescence phenotype that, of course, is more complex, but uh, with the final goal of uh, improving the cure. Very interesting. And Constance? So <laughs> as, I, as I already mentioned, I'm a hematologist, and I was fascinated by the heterogeneity of um, this um, kind of um, diseases. And I'm not a basic researcher, but I'm doing translational research. And from the very beginning on, I was interested um, in the research group that we find out prognostic and predictive markers um, for our patients. And using this information that we, fi that we, that we find or that we have found um, to translate them into clinical trials. And uh, this is something we've done for more than 20 years now. And this, I think, is um, now nicely reflected in these phase three trials that we are conducting. And these are really trials that are focused on a more precision medicine. So we, we determine a, 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 a panel of prognostic markers at the very uh, beginning of the disease, at the time of diagnosis. We, did, we do a risk stratification and we also look for the identification of markers that can be targeted by the novel drugs mm -hmm. in combination with chemotherapy and we are also focusing on the role of measurement of, um, um, or of uh, determining um, monitoring measurable residual disease. So we implement our findings directly into the, the, the trials and into the treatment of the patients. And this yeah. is something where I'm fascinating in. And now I think we're coming together on yeah. um, yeah. the research yeah. side yeah. And, 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 and yeah. from this translational side, which I think is a yeah. really nice development. Yeah. Yeah. So so then uh, maybe a little bit of a different question that might interest a lot of the, the, the young students. So, so how did you find a good mentor? What would you, how would you, what would you advise them if they want to find a good mentor? First of all, how did you find a good mentor and, and how would, what did you do? Yeah, personally, yeah, personally speaking, uh, my first mentor was my professor. So I was fascinating about uh, how he was uh, uh, telling us uh, uh, 
uh, molecular biology, my case, and so I decided to spend a period in his lab during my master's training. And uh, I was uh, pretty uh, lucky in the sense that actually he is uh, one of my best mentors also nowadays. Uh, the advice that uh, I can uh, I can say to the guys, and I also said during my workshop yesterday, um, is that uh, I think that uh, um, you know if a person can fit uh, um, with you just uh, from my personal experience at first sight. So if you see that there is, uh, I don't know, a match, well, actually I think that uh, this can be good. And on the other side, uh, um, a mentor for me is a person who can be uh, a supportive person who can give you advice, is a career advice, personal advice. So I think that uh, uh, yes, uh, you know if uh, uh, this is the right person. And during my career, basically, mentors were mainly associated with uh, my uh, supervisor at the beginning, but uh, with the TRTH that I had the chance to attend uh, last year, uh, that was this mentoring program, I will say the chance to know more people. Mm -hmm. And uh, just uh, uh, looking at them, uh, personally speaking, I can say that I saw, okay, these are my mentors that I can continue to um, to have in my life. And so also uh, attending and applying for mentoring uh, training, I think can be a uh, good advice to to, to do, uh, to, to say to the guys, uh, uh, just to increase the chances to, to meet new people. Mm -hmm. Thank you. What about you? Yeah. I think mentorship is key in our job for young scientists, but also not for just super young. I mean, I think you may have a lot of mentors in different steps of your career. Yeah. I've had mentors that have been extremely important when I was finishing my PhD in Canada, helping me deciding what I wanted to do. One of the big mentors that I had just gave me the opportunity to be in the UK, and I'm still in the UK, so you know, I need to be very, very, I acknowledge that a lot. Then there is the time when you are a postdoc, and then, you know, also that time is very difficult, and you need to have a mentor that you trust, that can give you, you know, um, that can trust your work and believes in you when you are kind of thinking maybe that's not the right time, maybe I want to change job. There is a lot of stress that is in coming with the jobs, you know. Finding the right people that can support you is very important. And also, as a group leader now, I know that I have some mentors that I can count on, strategic mentors, not just PIs in the same field, but also people that can tell you how to proceed with your career, to go on, you know, strategically. Which is a little bit different, I guess. Yeah. That is different, yeah. you know. Yeah. My yeah. mentor, from this point of view, is my head of department. He knows exactly what you need to do, provision, thermal track position, everything. I also have a mentor in hematology because I'm still learning. I'm a young PI, so obviously you need someone that is experienced, that is senior, and you can count on. So it's a lot about, I have a feeling it's a lot about trust also. Or Absolutely, yeah, I yeah. would say yes, yeah, definitely yeah, it's yeah. about trust. And also yeah, I think what you're saying is that at different stages in your life you need different yes. methods. Because yes. yes. I, I was thinking about the transition from the method you have during your PhD to the one you need. I mean, don't you actually need to get rid of your PhD mentor? <laughs> I mean, but it was not the same person, it was exactly. actually another person. Yeah, I need to Rabin, say yeah. that. I mean, it's amazing if you find a mentor in your line manager or in your supervisor, but sometimes there may be conflict of interest. You know, you want yeah. to do something else, it's your career, and someone is happy to keep you. You know, it's just like, it's 
very important to have the idea from someone that is outside from your lab or you know just your circle and get also support from there. And these people, at least in my experience, you know, also my mentor that I mentioned during my PhD, is still supporting me. I still meet him and hear confidence. We had a chat recently. He knows what I'm doing. Yeah. He knows, you know, my career. And I think in That's UK nice. we are working on that a lot. I just recently got a grant from Leukemia UK and I just introduced it a mentoring program mm-hmm. where you as a person that has been awarded the grant, you can uh, choose between all the people that are in this charity to be mentored from one of these senior people. Because I think we are realizing the importance of mentorship yeah. day by day. So, so absolutely. I guess it's a little bit different for you now. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but in the beginning, yeah. in the beginning, I guess you also had a mentor, right? Oh, for sure. I, I still have mentors. Yeah. I, I think what. I think you, you always need a mentor. I mean, the level of mentorship yeah. is different yeah, when you are more experienced. Yeah, different. But I think for the young, in particular for the young um, uh, uh, researchers and for the young uh, memotologists, um, networking, I think, is very important to find the right mentor. And, um, and there are some objectives you can also use um, to find um, a good lab and a good mentor. I mean, it's it's it's. First, you have to know what you would like to do, yeah. and then you have to find a lab that is recently that that is actually um, working on exactly that focus. Yeah. And then you can then you can reach out to these people. You can see okay how how productive they are, how many postdocs are there, what are these postdocs doing? Do they have authorships? Do they have time for growing? So starting from a first authorship, becoming a senior author, this is something showing that the mentor is able to to also give develop, away a little bit, yeah, yeah. to develop, yeah. to let you develop, and maybe to give you an own research yeah. group at a certain stage. Yeah. And also that the, the mentor is often connected and has lots of collaborations that offers you the possibility yeah. to go for a postdoc somewhere. And I think these are ob- objectives you can find out quite easily. And and by networking, it's much more easier because you 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 get to know the people and they can talk to them um, and, and ask well, how was it in the lab and, and and how competitive are the projects that are there. I mean, there's some really huge and very popular and famous labs, but it doesn't help if you as Absolutely. as a researcher has to work on the same project with five yeah. people. No, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what, what happens. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What happens. And, and, yeah, and this what this is what happens when you oh there's a, a great mentor in Boston yeah. or in New York or wherever. You have to go, but at the end you <laughs> yeah. came back after four years and maybe you have you are not yeah. really yeah. so yeah, I, I think, think you have to fun. take yeah. all these things into account. Yeah. And I mean I also did a postdoc um, at a different level but um, for me, at this time, it was very important to have a mentor, a mentor who gives you the feeling what you are doing is, is really important and I support you. And even if it's not um, running quite well, and you have, we all have this frustration periods, yeah. you need to have somebody who is uh, being optimistic or yeah. even if, if a project support. is not running well, yeah. to say, okay, maybe we have to go another direction. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. I just add something quickly because this was one of the questions that the guy said during my workshop. Like, it's not so easy to approach someone and say, "Can you be my mentor?" That's something that I struggle to because it's not like you know, I don't know you, you don't know me. How can I approach people? And I just told them, you know, you don't need to approach people in this way. You can find like 
you can send an email, you can say that you are interested in what we do, you can just ask before a meeting to have a quick chat with this person and then see how it goes. But, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are very happy to mentor you. You just need to find a way to get in touch with them. And yeah, that's why I approach them. Yeah, that's why I mentioned, uh, uh, for example, the TRTH program. Mm -hmm. Because, for example, for a shy person, a shy scientist, maybe also this opportunity to apply for a mentoring program can also, in a sense, break the ice. Yeah, you know? and you have the point. possibility, yeah. exactly. They are super important because you have the possibility to meet a lot of people in the same place. They are there for you. And so they have not to uh, just to cut a short time in their agenda for you, but uh, you have the chance to spend a week, uh, for example, in our case, uh, uh, with them. And so it's also easier to make connection. Yeah. And there is the CRTH, in yeah, case also people don't know, so I think that's an absolutely fantastic program yeah. and gives yeah. you so much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it has been the best experience in my life, honestly. So. And uh, I totally agree. And also this lighting this flame for the most young people, uh, it's, uh, it's great because uh, we are here for them. And so, it's, uh, in a sense, also for them, it's easier to, to meet us and to discuss with us, uh, share uh, information, uh, share emails. And so, uh, we are, uh, we, for example, uh, said that uh, we are here and that uh, we can be also uh, connected there in the future. Yeah. So, I think this kind of uh, training program are very, very useful. Yeah, I think they're very helpful too. I mean, yeah. it's something that didn't exist when I was young. Exactly. <laughs> Would have loved to be yeah. able to do that. Yeah. So, do you have more to add here? No, I think no. The, the, the <laughs> I think the networking covers a lot of the yeah. programs that we that EHA yeah. is offering, yeah. Yeah. and and I think these little workshops for for young um, hematologists, young new researchers, and there is more than CRTH and TRTH. We do have the research um, congress or research meeting, which is for uh, for basic researchers. I think really very interesting with regard to get connected, and we also yeah. have these. Um, uh, short days where we um, more focus on clinical um, um, issues. Um, so I think that, that, that this is this is what we have to do yeah. um, when we think about the future of um, the hematology. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think you have actually touched up on this, but 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 this is how to choose the right lab. I mean, you, I think you said that, you know you need to look at what what is already the production. Uh, maybe sure. maybe uh, do you would you want not go to this little lab before? How, I mean, what would be? I actually did the workshop that was how to find a lab. Yeah. And I can just summarize what was my take home message. Yeah. There are three things you need to think about yeah. yourself. You need to find a place that you feel, you know, that fits with you. And yeah. you are not just feeling at all everywhere. The people in the lab, so the lab, because you are sharing basically everything with these people and all your time every day. Yeah. And the PI, that is it's the most important thing. And when I say the lab, I also mean track record is important, but you know, it's not just a huge name. You need to be able to approach your PI, to talk to your PI, check if he's very communicative, check if they are publishing regularly. They can have a huge publication, but then postdoc can need seven years to publish, and that's not very strategic when you apply for your grant. So, you know, I tried to give them what I learned with my experience because when I joined the first lab, I didn't look at all this stuff. I just learned myself that these are very important things. So I would say just find the place that you think is going to be good and yeah. 
follow your feeling. When you talk to someone, try to get the feedback if they are honest, how it's going in the lab, if there is teamwork, if you think this can be the right place to be for three, four years, whatever. Because that's really what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, yes, uh, uh, I said to the guys the same three points, basically, because uh, also for me it's uh, very important, for sure, to uh, follow uh, your love of sci for science. So uh, the, the research project, uh, I think, uh, is uh, the first thing that uh, you have to keep in mind when you choose your lab. Then, uh, the, uh, the other important thing is your personal feeling uh, when you see, as I said before, uh, the PI. Because sometimes uh, you can love uh, the project, uh, but basically you are not so <laughs> on the same line with your boss and, uh, of course, the team. So just to know if you are in the right lab, I personally suggest people to uh, ask past lab members or present lab members yeah. to see the lab, to go there before accepting yes. the position, just to understand if uh, it's uh, um, a right place for you and it fits with your personality, yeah. I think, the per yeah. yes, the environment. Yes. I agree because, uh, you know, it's important also to, to think about the future. So if it's a productive lab, uh, in speaking in terms of uh, um, papers published, of course, uh, it will help in the career. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, if you feel set home in the lab, I think, uh, and uh, you are doing what you really want uh, and fascinates you, I think uh, you are in the right place. And then I, 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 one thing I sort of forgot to ask, because now you're three women, are you mentors? <laughs> Can I ask about have they all been men? In my case, yes, but I'm a little bit older than you. Maybe the, I hope that the times change. I need to say I feel extremely lucky because I've had two mentors that are women. I've had, I think, if I count them, the one, two, three, four, five, five mentors in total, three men and two women. One is Irene Roberts, that is a huge name in this field, who she got the Kia Mentorship Award as well. Yeah. I'm very lucky that she says I'm one of our girls. And I think. I mean, it's not that a man cannot mentor you. I have other mentors that I've met and they are amazing and I really like them. It's just that sometimes we know that we are facing things that men don't see, they yeah. just cannot see that. And it's important in that case just to know that someone else has gone through that before you and can give you personal advice. She can just tell you, just approach this in this way or you do that in that other way. I think. It is extremely important for a woman also to have someone that you can kind of reflect in. It's, for me, it's been very important. At least in the transition from a postdoc to group leader, being a young group leader and a woman, it's, it's not easy. So that is a huge, that has a huge experience and is happy to share with me this experience has been amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Actually, um, thinking about my experience, my first mentor was men. But uh, yes, uh, in the transition between a PhD student or postdoc position and now hopefully uh, for the next step, I think in these last years my mentors were mainly women. And I agree, uh, it's important for a woman to have the support also of other women uh, because, uh, yes, um, there are some some stuff that maybe uh, talking with another woman are easier to explain. Um, so yeah, mm -hmm. 
but it's what in general it's about the personality of course yeah it's but not about but yes. I, I, I understand it was just because you said some of you said he he so it was I mean you I just need to click yeah. with that person it doesn't matter if it's a man or a exactly. woman the man can understand more than a woman yeah, I had exactly. I've had other women that couldn't just be my mentor just because I didn't click it's just finding the right person it's that understands it's not about gender it's no it's fine it's and I'm very happy to have only yeah. men mentors I mean it's it's not about that at all. Yeah. But I think it is important that we, I think we can realize or recognize that there is a kind of change yes. in, in, yeah. in the yeah. composition yeah. of, of yeah. the good research labs. And, yeah. and I can only say, when I, when I did my postdoc, this was a world, this was dominated by men. Mm. And this was also true in the neighbor labs, this was true when I went to Canada. This was, this was normal, you have to accept that. And there were not really female mentors um, for me at this time. Yeah. So um, I, I think this is really a very good development and a sign that um, women side. It also means that yeah. women are yeah. staying yeah. inside. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. And then, uh, so, so if a young person wants to come to a lab, is it important that they know a lot about lab work already? If it's a master's student or PhD student, what do you? How do you evaluate the ones that come and ask you if they can join your lab? Uh, I think it depends uh, on uh, what you are searching for, basically. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, if, uh, I don't know, you are starting as a new PI, maybe at the beginning, uh, yeah, a person who has uh, some training before, of course, will help you and accelerate uh, the time just to start your research. But basically, uh, what I think is uh, that uh, everyone is able to, uh, to learn what he wants, basically, he, she wants. So, um, I don't know, if uh, a person is very motivated, uh, especially uh, for science, but uh, has not uh, a great uh, background about technologies, it doesn't matter. If uh, he is resilient, uh, an hard worker, I think that uh, he can learn so quickly, yes, so it's a good person for the lab. Again, it's about personality and the energy. No, I think I think this is the key. Yes, love for science and personal match. Yeah, are the keys. But I would expect from 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 a from a researcher who is who has already finished his master's thesis or something like that, and you can easily read from what he has done in the before, and this is independent from the technique how motivated the person is. And I must say, to be honest. I do have some criteria, and uh, because I want that this person is working successfully in the lab, I totally agree you can learn everything if you are motivated. It's not depending what they have learned before, but that they can prove that they are motivated, that they, that they have done something, that they have a kind of, that they can a little bit work on their own and pushing things forward. I think this is always very good, and you can see this from the CV or from whatever they have done. Um, and how curious they are um, if this is working for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. And I've seen it, Connie. You also, you must have quite a few MDs there, right? Yeah, this yeah. is this is based to the fact that um, we um, are recruiting um, the MDs, the the young hematologists, or the the the, do the doctors that are in the curriculum to become um, hematologists. Um, that they are often very interested in doing um, research. And I mean, as I said, as a clinician, as a hematologist, we do not really have um, so much basic research labs run by 
medical doctors. And this is why we are doing this translational um, research. And I think this is a very nice way to get into the business. And what we are trying to do is to to give them, we call it uh, a, a bread and butter project. A project yeah, yeah, that, like, uh, yeah, a project that has um, that is limited for one or two years. A project where they can benefit from what is already there. A project where they have a high success rate to get it published, yeah. and then we motivate them and we say, okay, if you are really interested in, in research, then we motivate them apply for a PhD, apply for a postdoc, right. and go to a, a research group wherever this is, Europe or US, and they often have a clear vision on that. And we have lots of these young people, medical doctors, going for three or four years um, right. to a research lab, coming but back, then, and then, then they all they got some skills with you because I think yeah. that will be exactly. And then idea. they have to then they have to build their own research lab, yeah. and they have to deal with the fact that they have to go back to the clinic. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's often the, the 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 challenge for them to build up an own crew, to hire really good motivated researchers, to run your projects, but also to be in the clinic. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, a a real senior, a real senior then. Yeah, but yeah. this model works quite well. And um, yeah, and and um, if if people are interested in doing more than clinic, then are, they are welcome. Yeah, and I think most of the people, the guys that I've seen around, so they are all very interested in books of dance, so clinics and science. I mean, they really want to understand how to balance that, how to enter also the science because sometimes it's not. They don't know which is the process, how to approach the lab, if there are money, and I just told them, just get in touch, say that you are very interested, because that's what we want to see, yeah. that you are motivated, that you like the project, that you are interested. We can teach you what we know, but the interest, I cannot teach you that, I cannot make you motivated to work on something. All the technique, I can train you, you can be trained, you can be helped, supported from facilities, but we want to see an interest, so of get course. in touch with people. Even if there is no position, nothing advertised, just tell me that you are interested. We're gonna find a way if you really want to come. And that's what they want to hear, basically. Yeah, what is true. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Sounds really good. Yeah. So I think uh, one, one thing that I think is very important um, when you work in the lab is uh, is this uh, work-life balance. What do you think about that? How do you how do you cope with yourself? How do you see your students doing this? And and will it be the same? with the next generation as was with you, for example, what do you think about it? I have a very strong idea about that, very strong opinion. I mean, I've always been, I was in Oxford before, and now I'm at the University of Manchester. So <laughs> I think life, work-life balance is very, very important. And this demands a bit on the environment and you know the culture in the institute where you are. Um, I honestly think, yeah, Making people work 24 hours a day, not having weekends, that's not the right strategy, you know. And the out is out there, it's very close if you do that. So I'm the first one leaving the lab and saying, don't work in the weekend, try to avoid, you know, working late. It's very important for me that you have a life. When things in the lab don't work, you need to know that your life makes you happy. That's just your work. And that's what I think about my life and what I want to see in people that work with me. And I know that it's very difficult in some places, but it's not a very um, common idea. And that's why you need to find the right place also as a group leader. You need yeah. to find a place where they have the same values that you have. But I think, you know, for us and for students, 
it's very important to balance them both, both the things. It's, it's so is it possible to do good research if you go home at five o'clock, four o'clock? You know, I don't think it's about the time that you spend in the lab because sometimes they work 24 hours, but they are so tired that yeah. the data that you can use that are produced are actually not useful. You need to also have the time to rest. If you work, I've been a postdoc until 60 years ago. I remember what is being a postdoc. So I know that when I was working also in the weekend, uh, continuously, basically I didn't have a rest in the weekend. I was already starting the new week very tired. You may underestimate that, but then at some point your body is gonna tell you that's too much, stop. And we don't want to get to that stage. You want to realize that before. When you are unexperienced, you underestimate, you think you can do everything. But with more experience, you know where to start. And what I want is to make them um, know that you need to know where to start. And this is very important. Yes, I agree. Principle, <laughs> 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 principle. No, um, it's a very good question because actually from my personal experience, and given that uh, I'm doing what I really love, uh, sometimes for me it's difficult to say stop. Uh, so I really like uh, uh, working in the lab, uh, thinking about your ideas, reading papers, also at home, after dinner, so it's, uh, yes, <laughs> during the weekend, uh, yes. Uh, so because I consider this not just a, as a job, uh, but as a passion, right? now it's my job, let's say. So um, in some uh, period, uh, it's difficult for me for uh, trying to find uh, find a balance. But uh, yes, uh, in principle, I think, and I agree with uh, Simona, it's important to have this balance at a certain point. Maybe I can say there are periods in which uh, it's more difficult. I don't know, because you are um, submitting a grant, uh, submitting a paper. So in that period, actually, this balance is not so possible. But uh, yes, in principle, it's, uh, it's good to have a balance and also to uh, create uh, a serene life outside the lab. Mm. Uh, so yes, in principle, I agree. So Sometimes it's difficult for me, but uh, I'm trying uh, to balance uh, the, two, the two aspects of life for sure. And I, of course, suggest that it's a good idea and uh, to balance uh, the two. So, Claudia. So I think we grew up. <laughs> when, when we were driven by passion yeah. and I, I was used to work and I'm still used to work um, yeah much more than a life a good life balance should allow but I think yeah. I, I agree with both of you I think yeah. you have to define your own life balance yeah. and I what I realized um, and I'm often comparing the the, the, the postdocs in my lab and, and and the people working in my lab with, with the time I went when I was in the lab and I have the feeling they have a clear vision of life balance, that yeah. this vision yeah. goes more in your direction. Yeah. So I, I, I do not have really to care that they are leaving um, not too late or that they are not working at the, at the weekend. It's, it's, it's uh, sometimes yeah, yeah. the other way around. As you said, you do have situations, there is a yeah. trend, there is an abstract that has to go yeah, out, yeah. And then there is a culture that has to be um, uh, has to be feeded at the weekend or some mice or uh, whatever happens to them. Yeah. And then it's, it's sometimes hard to find somebody yeah. myself yeah. saying, okay, yeah. I'm flexible. <laughs> I think it's really difficult yeah. to find, to find um, a, a good balance. And on the other hand, if you want to succeed at the end, if you want to compete with all these good research labs that are here, in, you, you have to, I think you have to add a little bit on. on. Yeah. 
That's maybe I'm too conservative. No, or too no, but, uh, <laughs> maybe we're a little bit old, but that's true. Also, the, no, the product does not wait for you. Most right? on your line, actually. I mean, but uh, sorry, but uh, I agree uh, with you. Um, I also um, saw some new students uh, arriving in the lab. Uh, they are clearly in mind yeah. what is the need. Yeah. yeah, actually. So in this sense, uh, I I think that I'm more conservative, <laughs> independently of my age, because uh, yes, that's true. Now nowadays, the new generation has clearly in mind the balance and. Uh, it's yeah, quite I mean, different. I, from so on, so I, I agree. I also think feel that something has happened. I think the important thing here is then to also balance the expectations towards that because you cannot compete with, you know, a primary lab in the United States where everybody works 24 hours. Uh, we all if, if you, maybe you can if you're lucky to be to find the big thing. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but in general, you know, I mean, there's a lot of hard work also. And so I find it very difficult actually sometimes. But I, I also agree with you. And of course, I, uh, obviously, this work teaches you that there are different times. When I'm stressed, I have a deadline, I have a grand application. I take the stress, I try yeah. to not make them feel the stress. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I have a deadline. This doesn't mean I need to send you the email on Sunday. I should think about sending you the email on Friday because I know I'm working in the weekend, but you are not supposed to do that. That's what I mean when I say life, work, yeah. balance. And obviously, if you find a person that is motivated and there is something to do on Saturday, I'm not saying no, stop. I'm closing the door and just saying... But you have to respect them. You need to respect them. Exactly. And it's also from them, you know, taking the responsibility and the lead of their project. So knowing that there is a day where I need to start at 7, I've done this. Always, you know, we had very long experiment working with my sorting. I was starting very early and finishing very late. I mean, if I need to tell to my student to do that five days a week, right. I would never say that. That's the point. That's the difference. Yeah. I'm going to see if there is something else, another approach to do that. Two people working on the same stuff so that you don't have this, you know, overload. There are different strategies, but flexibility, obviously, is the key. You know, there are times yes. where you yeah. can be yeah. relaxed, when yeah. you can work in this way. Some other times when you have a deadline and everyone needs to work on that. But this is a team work, but as a PI, I want to get the stress because that's my job. But I don't want the PhD student or the postdoc to get my that's stress no. on the top of their stress. Exactly. That's basically my strategy. Maybe it's not a winning strategy, but I want people in my lab to be happy and not frustrated and unhappy. That's basically what I want. All right, yeah. Fully agree on that one. I think it's very important. And also, I mean, it's also a little bit sometimes planning from the side of the PI, you know. We know there's this grant in three months. Maybe we should start a little bit before. Things like that. Yeah, but sometimes it's the other way around and your, your postdocs make the stress to you because they do not deliver. And then you are the one reading the abstract at midnight and sending it out 5 to 12. So I think it's it's a kind of education, a kind of respect to each other. And flexibility for sure is really very important. And maybe also communicating clearly how you want it to be in your lab. I mean, it's, I think that's also important. Yeah, I think in a sense, uh, we had to just to balance also relationships, right? So I would like to thank you very much. It was very enlightening, and I think it was, we heard a lot of different opinions, but also a lot of similar opinions. Yeah. So I, I thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you. Nice thank you. Thank you. Thank you.